Natalie Bensavanga. And I'm Tony Norman. And this is In Other News, the podcast that is not afraid to go there. Where? Anywhere the story takes us. You concerned about speaking your mind? Me? Yeah, right. You? Ha! <laughs> Let's go, Nat. Hey, Tony. Welcome back. Hey, Natalie. <laughs> good to be back. It's good to be back with episode five of In Other News. And this week, it's really all about the optics. It certainly is. You know, we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to dig right in. We're heading back to East Palestine because as this story continues to unfold, it becomes very clear that there is a lot going on and there are a lot of things to discuss. And some of these things are not getting as much attention right. as they should. And that's where we come in. Yep. We try to fill in the gaps. You that's know, right. we try to try to make sense of what's mm -hmm. nonsensical. Ooh, and that so, is the key right there. There you go. And right now, what feels nonsensical to me is who's been in East Palestine, who hasn't been in East Palestine, and the people that have gone, what they've been promoting. Mm -hmm. Would you like to elaborate? I think I know what you're getting at. <laughs> well, a former president decided yes. to parachute in to see the little people of, of East Palestine with, and he brought along some gifts. Oh, um, what did he bring? As, well, instead of like throwing paper towels at them like he did in right. Puerto Rico, that was a classic. Yeah, he decided to bring Trump water. Wow, and amazing! It, and it was even expired. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the water had been discontinued since 2010, mm. and he brought some expired pallets of beans, which was yes. not on the list of items that they needed. Exactly. But he wanted to recreate, you yeah. know, the most famous scene from, um, <laughs> you know, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I will say this. He did show up. Yes, he did. And I think this has become a, a bigger issue for the Biden administration. While, of course, the EPA is involved in other federal officials, Biden and his administration hadn't yet been there. And today, as far as we know, in, in terms of this recording, which is on Thursday, mm. um, I believe Buttigieg is heading yes, there he's or definitely has there. arrived. He's, he's, he's been there since early this morning. We've, mm -hmm. we've looked at the footage mm -hmm. of him interacting. And um, it's not that the Biden administration didn't have officials there. They, right. you know, the EPA has been there from day one. Mm -hmm. um, but high-ranking, visible members of the cabinet really were lacking uh, until recently. The EPA... Um, you know, officials, their cabinet uh, official was has been there a better part of this week. Mm -hmm. But um, seeing Buttigieg was really important, the transportation secretary. Mm -hmm. um, and also because, let's face it, he is someone who might be a viable um, Democratic presidential candidate very, very soon. Well, you know, I also do, along with the work that we do together, mm -hmm. you know, I also work as a media strategist and when you're looking at that from a PR perspective, mm -hmm. even bad publicity is still publicity. And even Trump going and behaving in the way that only Trump can, he was still there. Mm -hmm. And the reality is Biden or someone from the administration should have been there much sooner just from a right. PR right. perspective, if for no other reason. And so I think it's really important that Buttigieg arrived. But I think it would be more important after uh, President Biden is done in the Ukraine, that he now then heads over oh, to absolutely. our catastrophe happening in our backyard. And I believe that he will. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that um, this is, in fact, um, this is Biden's people, as yes. it were. You know, the, the white working class. Yes. Are, it's easy for him to relate to them, much more so even than Trump. Mm -hmm. Trump has a way of sort of like um, mesmerizing them and mm -hmm. making them believe that he's on their side. 
when he isn't. Mm -hmm. um, so this really is important that the president um, put in the, you know, show his face there. Uh, total, total agreement. No, and I, and I totally agree with that, Tony. And, you know, speaking of the EPA, there's uh, been some conversation now that Norfolk Southern is going to be responsible for the cleanup and paying for the cleanup. But it concerns me, and I know we were talking about a little bit about this before mm -hmm. the show started, and we're not in total agreement, which it does happen, people, because people have said, <laughs> are you two ever going to disagree? And this could be the moment where who should be in charge of the EP, or excuse me, who should be in charge of the cleanup? And while Norfolk definitely should be responsible for paying for it, I think that there should be a third party brought in, an independent party, to actually test the water and do the cleanup because I just feel like Norfolk hasn't exactly been on the up and up throughout this process. But what are your thoughts? Natalie, you're right. <laughs> I've been persuaded um, because I've actually, you know, There goes read our big debate. Of, hey, what can you say? Oh, we'll, we'll manufacture that didn't take something. Much. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I think it would uh, allay a lot of fears, a yeah. lot of conspiracies. Um, because, you know, when you have a disaster of this scale, you need to have, um, you know, a third, you, you need someone to, who can fairly adjudicate yeah. in the midst of, you know, all of the, the smoke. And um, you can't have one of the parties to the disaster saying, hey, you know, trust us. Mm -hmm. You really do need a third party. You know, you need the government and you need an outside industry that, that knows what it's doing. Yeah, and it really comes down to corporate responsibility, which Absolutely. we have not really seen from Norfolk Southern, but we actually have seen it from Giant Eagle, which mm. I was really impressed with what they're doing because out of an abundance of caution, they have removed gallon-sized bottles of water that were produced mm. um, for the chain by a company that uses a spring near the site, near East Palestine train derailment. And they've been very transparent about that and very upfront. And to me, that's being a good neighbor. That's saying, okay you know, this, th we're going to hit, take this loss, but this is what needs to be done because, you know, God forbid, we don't want there to be anybody that could be possibly become sick from the water. Absolutely. That's how you step up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Giant Eagle, uh, being the regional, uh, supermarket chain in Western Pennsylvania, and mm -hmm. I believe they, they're located in Ohio and various other places too. They are doing the right thing and yeah. the corporate responsible thing. And so kudos to them. Kudos to them. But not everyone is doing the right thing. And now Governor Shapiro is, you know, laying down the law here a little bit. I, I personally love his style. I interviewed him a few, uh, maybe like a year ago back. Mm -hmm. And and I remember thinking, because he was very aggressive and, and you know, he and I kind of had these, these tense moments during the interview. And I thought, yes, this is the kind of bulldog that we need yeah. as governor because you're going to be facing such big challenges. And so... Now he's saying that the uh, the acting attorney general here in PA, they, they are seeking a criminal referral and they're calling Shapiro himself has called Norfolk Southern arrogant and incompetent, which. Right. You know. uh, and, and, and they've <laughs> call, certainly call been, out. they've been arrogant in the past. I mean, you look at the lawsuits that have been lodged against them over the years mm -hmm. Um and then when you have a disaster of this scale, mm -hmm. you know, it it, it has a. Um, it is humbling, though. It is. Yeah. I mean, they're the the president of you know um, Norfolk Southern um, has um, been here mm -hmm. and uh, well been to Ohio and has mm -hmm. been quizzed by um, the people in that community about what's mm -hmm. been going on. 
And he realizes that, you know, he's going to be held accountable. His company's going to be held accountable. Here's hoping. And and the reality is they're going to be saying that the reason that they're bringing charges is because there hasn't been a unified effort between services between Ohio right. and Pennsylvania. It's it's Norfolk's lack of cooperation, which involves our local emergency respondents. So that's the angle there they're taking. Go. They want something to stick. And they think that that might be the thing that does it. And, you know, we talk a lot about equity on this mm-hmm. show. And and to me, East Palestine is such a clear example of sort of that classism and that, that angle of, of right. a, a neighborhood that's really um, in in the crosshairs of all of these isms mm-hmm. and at at the mercy of corporations, you know. But, right. but there's a lot of other things that we discuss on this show, like racism mm-hmm. and sexism and also areas around religious freedom mm-hmm. and what that means. And Today's guest um, that's going to be coming and joining us in a little bit, um, Rabbi Ron Simons, you know, we, we wanted to bring him on to talk about a lot of these isms and sort of that cross intersectionality, because recently we read that there has been the Anti-Defamation League uh, Axios reported on that found incidents of white supremacist propaganda remained at historic levels in 2021, and there was a national average of 13 incidents a day with a 27% rise in propaganda, in particular j- targeting the Jewish people and Jewish institutions. And when you hear that, Tony, knowing also that PA reported the highest levels, the highest right, levels right, nationwide at 473 incidents, how does that make you feel as somebody that's reported in this community for so long? Well, it doesn't surprise me um, because I have reported in this community for so long and I, and I am deeply... I am aware of the animus in terms mm-hmm. of, of of race and religion and so mm-hmm. forth. I mean, I would confront it every day in my email and mm-hmm. the phone calls um, to the Post Gazette when I was there. Um, this is not surprising. It's still dispiriting. It's still uh, a matter of, you know, you have to pump up your morale just yeah. to to you know, you know, mm-hmm. walk through the community because you know there is such a high number of people mm-hmm. who hate you by virtue of your faith, mm-hmm. of your skin color, mm-hmm. of you know just being a different person. And um, you would think that the Keystone State that we would somehow we're a big industrial blue state, you know, um, barely I guess, you know, maybe we're more purplish, but um, there's so much ignorance here, mm-hmm. and we have to face the fact that. Um, it's it's going to be with us probably for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get to it then. Let's drill down with Rabbi Ron Simons. All Stay right. tuned. You're listening to In Other News. Thanks for joining us. All right, everybody, we are back for the drill down, and we are here with Rabbi Ron Simons. He is the director of the Center for Loving Kindness of the JCC in Greater Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm really, I'm really happy to be with you and to be able to talk Pittsburgh and talk how we can do better. How we can do better. That's really the goal for this show, isn't it, Tony? Giving people ways to how they can do better in their communities. We have to do better because we certainly can't do worse. <laughs> well, and we Don't can't do the same either. To the universe. <laughs> we can't do the same either. It would just be too flat. That's you know? right. We got to go up a little. <laughs> That's right. So to kick things off, can you just share a little bit of the origin story about the center? For loving kindness. Sure. So the Center for Loving Kindness is embedded within the JCC of Greater Pittsburgh. And the JCC has been doing the work of loving kindness for 125 years yeah. here in Pittsburgh. 
It began as a settlement house in the Hill District and then slowly moved generation by generation as the Jewish community moved. Every time we moved, every generation, every iteration of who we've been has been about helping people to get along in Pittsburgh, mm. no matter what their background, no matter what their race, their ethnicity, their national origin, no matter their economic class and whatnot. And so what we decided is back in 2016, you might remember that year, it was a interesting year in America, in American conversation, that we realized that we needed to put the value statement of the JCC more front and forward, not just for the people that come into the JCC, but for the community at large. And so we created the Center for Love and Kindness actually in August of 2017, after a year of preparation, saying that we are going to strengthen the fabric of community by amplifying the long-held values of love your neighbor as yourself and do not stand idle while your neighbor bleeds, while redefining the term neighbor from a geographic term to a moral concept. Hmm. And you can understand, of course, why in 2016 and 2017 that was so important. In fact, we were scheduled to soft open mm. the Center for Loving Kindness on September 1st. But two weeks earlier in August was the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. Mm. And I got an email from one of our contacts at the Heinz Endowments who are thought partners with us saying, don't wait till September 1st. Wow. Start now. And we, and we got full in on it. And that was such a traumatic event in the American um, um, bloodstream. I mean, when we were confronted with uh, racism in its ugliest manifestation, um, we had been so used to thinking that America had entered a post-racial phase because we had elected an African-American president uh, a few years before. But the, 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 that march in Charlottesville really disabused us of the idea that we were past racism. Yeah, and, and you know, Tony, I, I think you were 100% correct. And the way that, that I've heard it and I've embraced it is that it's a pendulum swing, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And we went from a time when we thought, wow, maybe we got to that post racism place. Mm -hmm. And then we went right back into it. And of course, you know, the work that we do is all values-based and not partisan. Mm -hmm. um, but we can proudly stand on our values around this. And the thing about the Unite the Right rally is that it was ugly in every way. Yeah. Mm. And if I can remind you that what they were chanting was Jews, J-E-W-S, Jews will not replace us. Mm. Right. Playing into that larger cabal Mm -hmm. that the Jewish people are bringing non-whites mm -hmm. into America to replace the white majority, and that's just ridiculous. Right, right. It's just warmed over um, anti-Semitism from, mm -hmm. you know, a century or two ago when the protocols of the uh, elders of Zion right. um, was the blueprint for respectable anti-Semitism. So That's like right. scientific anti-Semitism explaining, you know, this vast history of a conspiracy 
uh, an alleged conspiracy on uh, the sort of nonsense that uh, gets reincarnated in the form of QAnon and various other yep. uh, anti-Semitic um, uh, tropes and garbage buckets. And, and Tony, if I could, I'll just add to it. It's not just 200 years ago. It's mm -hmm. 2000 years ago. Right. It's the oldest hatred mm -hmm. and anti-Semitism because of how it is cultural and ethnic and religious and political and economic that it is such a broad-based form of hatred mm -hmm. that anytime it pokes up its head mm -hmm. it's a canary in a coal mine right because it's coming for everybody right. and we as a center for loving kindness we don't lean in heavy to the anti-semitism stuff mm -hmm. we lean into the love your neighbor stuff mm. because the only way we're going to fight anti-Semitism and anti-black racism and anti-Asian racism and anti-Hispanic racism. I mean, I can keep on going because we all know it. Mm -hmm. The only way that we're going to fight it is if we say that we have to focus on our shared humanity, no matter our real and perceived differences. Right, right. And when we're looking at that, you know, I think the intersectional piece of this is really important. It really comes down to education, right? And yeah. and this idea I heard heard many times, oh well young young people, racism will just go away. Anti-Semitism will just go away once, you know, older generations sort of die off, <laughs> which we know is not even remotely close to the truth. And what it comes down to is education. And we've seen a dismantling of our public educa education system now for decades, but really there's been a, a ramping up of wanting to uh, erase uh, different cultures in our communities through banning books. And yeah. and you're working on something specifically right now, a program right now that focuses on the written word. Can you talk a little bit about that? That's right. So what we try to do every year is after we finish our High Holidays of Hope Yom Kippur celebration, a unique way of celebrating the holiest day of the Jewish year here at the JCC. We then use that platform to launch an opportunity for community conversations mm. about excerpts you should read, mm. talk about, and act on. So on Yom Kippur this year, we invited four community activists to talk about how it is that we can be standing up with our neighbors when their rights, when our rights are being challenged. Mm -hmm. So Lisa Schroeder of the Pittsburgh Foundation recommended that we read Cast mm -hmm. by Isabel Wilkerson. And of course, many of us know that the basis of Cast is the concept that we've inherited an old house. And far be it from us to say, well, it's not my problem now mm -hmm. if there are termites. <laughs> it's not my problem now if the foundation isn't working, that we've got a responsibility. Whether whether you were a part of what was decades and centuries ago about the original sin of America, or you're here now and you got a chance to be a bridge builder and to make a difference, Cass is the book for you. Right. And what's wonderful about that book is that it shows uh, the links between um, anti-black racism, Jim Crow, and what the Nazis adopted That's right. when they, um, yeah. you know, implemented, um, you know, their, their anti-Semitic laws. And of course the, the Holocaust, which sprung out of roots that, um, you know, they had, it had its roots in Jim Crow. So, right. you know, and, and, and it, it reflects caste systems around the world. So right. yeah, it's a, it's a perfect book.
And all of these things interplay together. And what I really liked when I was learning more about the work is these moments of activation, right? Like we're reading books, we're learning, we're doing. And also this idea of upstanders and not bystanders. Can you elaborate a little bit on that as we wrap up? Absolutely. So we know that so many of us can just be uh, innocent bystanders. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a shame that that's going on. Mm -hmm. But what if when something's going on, we were to say, you know, I want to be an upstander. I want to stand up with my neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so if we have the possibility of doing that, whether it's because of a time of communal crisis like COVID and us helping Mm -hmm. community members who don't have computers that we've never met before to register at first to get their vaccines, or whether it has to do with the Asian community, the API community here in, in Squirrel Hill saying, you know, we're going to celebrate the Lunar New Year on Saturday because we're kind of a little bit skittish about going out after what happened in Los Angeles, in Atlanta. Mm. And they say, Center for Loving Kindness, would you march with us? Mm. And we say, when a neighbor asks us to march with them, yes, of course we're going to do that. right? Or if it's like our our Afghanistan new neighbors Mm -hmm. who come to Pittsburgh and don't have the resources to even provide for themselves homemade food so they would be eating macaroni and cheese? Can we come together, Jews, evangelicals, and Muslims? Mm -hmm. And can we cook, learn how to cook Afghan cuisine and make a thousand quarts of it? Wow. So that especially the single men who come to Pittsburgh from Afghanistan have the food of their hometown, their home country, so that they can be comforted with it. That's what it means to stand up with your neighbor when things are going hard. Well, we love that. And to me, that's really what the United States is about, is is reaching across lines and taking the hand of the other and yeah. bringing them into the community. Thank you so much, Rabbi, for joining us uh, for the drill down. And we hope that you'll join us again soon. There's so much more that we know we could talk with you about. I would love to come back. And and again, thank you for bringing us to whatever's next in Pittsburgh. The good stuff. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much. And stay tuned for final thoughts. You're listening to In Other News. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you so much to the rabbi for chatting with us. You know, I feel like now we've learned some more ways in which our community can work together and build bridges together. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people at the national level in particular with very big microphones who are trying to tear us apart, let's say, as a divorce. Right. Um, there are a lot of, um, let's say, nitwits. Um, <laughs> and That's another the, word. <laughs> in the U.S. House. And mm-hmm. Marjorie Taylor Greene is probably the queen nitwit mm. and as we all know she has called for a national divorce mm. um not even a separation but a national divorce in which the red states and the blue states would separate um so it's not going to be anything like the civil war no It'll not be at red all states it's just a divorce and, blue states. and we all know how well divorces go yeah, yes yes <laughs> this will be an amicable peaceful. divorce totally so that you know if you want to keep the kids and bring the kids into a red state well you blue person, you won't be able to vote for five years and you'll have to accept our morals and our way of doing things in the red states. 
I don't see any problems with that at no, all, do you? not at all. <laughs> except you, for the Constitution. Except for the Constitution and her taking an oath to preserve and uphold the go. Constitution, which means creating that sense of unity. Um, no, you know, in all seriousness, as much as we want to joke about this, the reality is we saw how dangerous it was. It was when we did not take Trump seriously right. back in the day. And look where that has led us. And so my concern is we've got to kind of nip these things in the bud, call it what it is, and and you know talk about it very plainly that this, this is not acceptable and this is not how you build community and this is not how you strengthen a country. Other countries are watching us. Right. And right now, it, to me, this is a national security issue when you talk about things in this way, because it shows that we're kind of weak. Yeah, it certainly shows that we're divided and mm -hmm. that um, there are people who have very large um, platforms and microphones who are allowed to, I mean, this is a seditious idea. This is, it is. This is it's, if you talk about treason, stop. Yes. This, is, this is the very soul of treason mm -hmm. in which, you know, the, you're, you're, you want people to choose what side they're going to be on. That's right. Instead of looking at this country as um, imperfect but whole. Yeah. Here's someone who and and she represents many millions and millions of people. Um, she there. This is the idea that America can never reconcile yeah. its 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 differing political stances. That we have to be um, just one thing, mm -hmm. and that is the antithesis. Yes. Of democracy. And, and the reality is this kind of rhetoric leads to real life consequences. And, you know, one of our listeners who I've known since I was a kid, uh, Lisa Riley, she sent me an email today um, and said, if you could mention this in the show. Mm. And this is what I love about this show, because we want the community to get activated and be involved with us. And there's actually going to be a local mass shooter training at the Holy Family Parish Emergency Preparedness Group. They're going to be holding this on a class on mm. February 28th at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be live streamed to where I used to go to church and where I used to go to school in Oakmont to the St. Irenaeus Church Hall. Mm. Um, and a trooper from the PA State Police will be there as an instructor. And I got a little bit of a lump in my throat just even sharing this, although I think it's important information to let people in the community know about because it's like Absolutely. this is where this rhetoric and this is where those pins, those AR-15 pins on people's lapels, this is where that leads. They think this is all fun and games. Mm -hmm. This is this is causing death and harm in our communities. And we need more things that are going to build us up. And Tony and I actually did a live show um, on Tuesday, this past Tuesday, at Cafe Momentum talking about uplifting and centering the most vulnerable um, Kids that have been touched by the, the judicial system here in Pittsburgh can now work with Cafe Momentum mm. and uh, learn all the skills that you need to enter the culinary world. We had a fabulous time. It was a private dinner and we did a live show that you can check out on our Instagram and on Next Pittsburgh's Instagram if you want to watch the recap. No wonder we're so exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> we are. But, you know, that's a that's a good way to wrap it up. Tony and I are tired. So we're going to say until next time, uh, take care of yourselves and each other. In Other News is a presentation of Next Pittsburgh and is proudly produced by us, along with our amazing team, Emma Honcharski and Margie Ruttenberg. Our editor is Sorgatron Media and original music by Jack Swing. And if you enjoyed what you heard, please like and share this episode and rate and review us wherever you're listening. It really helps us grow. And if you're listening on the Next Pittsburgh website, take a minute to take a look around to learn more about all the cool stuff happening in our hometown.